All right, you mugs. I'm in charge now, see? So you better start listening to me, see? Or there's going to be some serious problems here. Wait, 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 Pete, what are you doing? I'm, I'm practicing to be a gangster, Maureen. Gangster, not gangsta. Gangster. You're going to need lots more practice. Mixing it up with Pete and Maureen is up next. All right, you mugs. It's the Mixing It Up with Pete and Maureen podcast, and I am Pete, little big man, Toriello. <laughs> I'm Maureen Toriello, and I don't have a nickname. <laughs> <laughs> Every week, we get together, and we talk about whatever it is that we pull off the top of our heads. Or somewhere else. And very often, straight from the heart. And boy, have we got a good one for you this week. You know, when your name ends in a vowel... People automatically assume that you are Italian. Unless it ends in an I, then they think you're Polish. Uh, I guess so. Yeah. Yeah. SKI. SKI. And uh, I cannot tell you how many times growing up, people actually did say to me, You're Italian? Yeah. Uh, You have any mob connections? I've actually had people say that to me. Have you? Do you have any mob connections? Are you in the mob? Like I'm going to say, yeah, I'm in the mob. <laughs> you know, yeah. The answer to that question is, A, no, I am not in the mob. B, do I have mob connections? Uh, guilty. Sort of. Now, in a court of law, of course, there is no guilty sort of, Your Honor. <laughs> but in my case... Because I was an adopted child, as if you go back to uh, our episode about uh, ancestry DNA, my whole story of finding out that I was an adopted child at the age of 67, just about a month ago now, that whole story is on there for you to listen to. And when you think that my life couldn't be any crazier, it's about to get crazier. Uh, Yes, I did have a connection sort of to the mob. You ready for this? My mother's brother. Your uncle. Just say my your uncle. uncle making... was Well, it could have been my father's brother. Okay. okay. My uncle was Louis Little New York Campagna. C-A-M-P-A-G-N-A. If you don't know who Lou Campagna was, you've got a little research to do on the internet. I have a little piece here that I, that I found about Lou. And this is from a a website entitled Chicago Crime Commission. Louis Campagna was a New York mobster and high-ranking member of the Chicago outfit for over three decades. There is little information, excuse me, about Louis Campagna's early life. He was born in 1900 in Brooklyn, as was my mom, to uh, immigrant parents from Italy. As a teenager, it is reported that Campagna joined the New York Five Points Gang in Manhattan. One of his gang associates was Al Capone. In 1919, Campagna was convicted of robbing an Illinois bank and sent to the Pontiac Reformatory. In April of 1924, he was paroled, but went back six months later for a parole violation. In 1923, New York mobster Al Capone moved to Chicago to help Southside gang boss Johnny Torrio deal with rival bootleggers. 
After his final release in November of 1924, Campagna returned to New York. Immediately, Al Capone summoned Campagna to Chicago to be his bodyguard. Campagna proved to be a reliable gunman during the long and bloody war with the rival North Side Gang. Scary stuff. Scary stuff. Lou was said to be ruthless and uh, unpredictable. Mm. Very similar, I would say, to uh, the the Tommy character in uh, Goodfellas, played by uh, Joe Pesci. Okay. Very, I think he may even have been the the inspiration to that character. (laughs) I'm not sure. But here's the other side of it. Lou Campagna also was, as my dad put it, a hell of a nice guy. Well, that, that's the dichotomy of, of these mob mobsters. Yeah. You know, they, they, because all, all of that shooting and killing and stuff, that's, well, that, that's, that's just business. It's business. <laughs> that's all. It's just business. And you don't get in the way of the business or you're gotten rid of. I hear tell, not that I know from, <laughs> from experience, but. Do you want to know how I found out about this yeah, whole thing I, about Lou? I, I was wondering because, uh, you know, with you being kept secret about your adoption, I imagine that this was not readily discussed. Isn't that crazy? Discussed. My, father, my father couldn't tell me that I was adopted, but he told me all about Lou Campagna, about which my mom, Rose, was extremely private. Well, uh, understandably. And I think she really wanted to protect me from that. I would think so. Because, um, you know, the more you know, the more danger you're in. Although I think that Lou and Charlotte Campagna, mm-hmm. Charlotte was Lou's wife, uh, may have played a part in my adoption well, or in finding me. Well, that's a whole, no- we don't know that. Because that's a whole nother thing. Yeah. But my Aunt Charlotte was my godmother. Mm-hmm. Because Lou couldn't couldn't stand in for me, because the church apparently would not allow it. Yeah, well, a gangster, you know. You know in fact, they they wouldn't give him a, a Catholic burial when, mm-hmm. when he died, and uh, so there there's a whole nother angle to that. But I remember my father telling me that Lou had three homes. The first was a bungalow, a nice bungalow, uh, in the Berwyn section of Chicago. And the people who lived next door to Lou, they used to call him Uncle Lou and Aunt Charlotte. Yeah. Because they had they had done a posting on a Campania family uh, page on, on, on the internet. Or yeah. on, and they said, oh, yeah, we knew Mr. and Mrs. Campania, Lou and Charlotte, and they were our next door neighbors. And we kids called him Uncle Lou, and he was very nice to us and, and the, whole, the whole thing. And uh, he had the home in Berwyn. He had a big farm estate, farmhouse, out in Fowler, Indiana. And I remember going out there with my mom and dad as a kid. Mm -hmm. And then he had another big farm estate in Berrien Springs, Michigan, which had an in-ground pool and magnificent place. Mm -hmm. And that became the home of Muhammad Ali. Wow. Years later. That must have been something to see. Muhammad lived there and uh, also uh, made that his, uh, his training camp. Oh, cool. And it was sold several years ago, again. And uh, my dad used to tell me these stories about Uncle Lou. And the way that I found out about this was uh, my mom was in the hospital. She was being treated for cancer. And this was like maybe 1969, 1970, something like that. 
and my dad and I are sitting in the cafeteria at St. Barnabas Medical Center up in Livingston. And I don't even know how we got on to the topic. But he starts telling me about, well, your Uncle Lou, you know, was, uh, was a, a gangster. He was in the Al Capone mob, and he used to, uh, he was Capone's bodyguard, and he would sleep in the Hotel Lexington in Chicago on a cot outside Capone's room with his machine gun. Oh, that must have been done wonders for the uh, other guests in the in the hotel. <laughs> right. Imagine, oh, I'm I'm in the room a couple doors down, and here's a guy sleeping on a cot with a machine I'm, gun. I'm sure that Capone had the entire floor probably, <laughs> probably to to probably. himself. And uh, there are pictures of uh, my uncle Lou down in Miami with uh, Al Capone and in Miami. The, uh, in, yeah. Because they would, they would go to Miami a lot because my, my Uncle Anthony and my mm-hmm. Aunt Nettie lived down in, in Miami. And uh, they would uh, go down there a lot. With The mob would be there. And there were these photos of Lou and here he is with Capone and all these other big shots from the Chicago syndicate. And uh, the story goes that uh, family would go out to Chicago to see Lou to, to visit and uh, he would drive them into the, the shopping district in Chicago. And as they were getting out of the car, he would hand out $50 bills, $100 bills, and say, here, get, go get whatever you want. Buy whatever you want. It's on, it's on me. It's kind of like you and Aaron going out. <laughs> yes, yeah, so my, my granddaughter and I go shopping. Uh, I kind of do the same thing. And uh, the, the other story was that... Uh, in the, I guess, 1949, my mom and dad were out in, I don't know if they were in Chicago or if they were at one of Lou's places. And I, I think maybe Lou was either in prison or just getting out or something. And they were out there helping my Aunt Charlotte run things. And as they're leaving, Lou presents my dad with a brand new 1949 Mercury. Nice, nice. And my dad didn't want to accept it. And Lou was like, Pete, it's a gift. Take, take it, drive it back to Jersey. I don't think it even had plates on it yet. Yeah. And my dad says, well, what if I get stopped? And Lou is like, trust me, it will not be a problem because Lou, everybody was in his pocket. I well, mean, he, he, didn't he play get cards? He used to play the poker with the, mayor, with the chief of police yeah. and the mayor of Chicago. And yeah. Yeah, so all these guys were like in his pocket. So he's like, Pete, it's not going to be a problem. So driving home, my dad gets pulled over. Oh, no. Right? And he and my mom get taken to the police station. In a paddy wagon? <laughs> no, I, I don't know. And so my dad calls Lou. And he's like, Lou, I'm in trouble. And Lou is like, well, who's the sergeant over there? Who's, who's in charge? Put him on. I want to talk to him. Put him on the phone. So a few minutes later, they come out and they say to my mom and dad, oh, Mr. and Mrs. Toriello, that you can go. It's, it was a mistake. We're sorry. You can, <laughs> you can go now. So when my dad got the car, he wanted to pay for it. So he struck an agreement with Uncle Lou and he, he said, listen, Pete, here's what you do. Every month when you go home to Jersey, you put whatever figure it was they decided on in an envelope cash no checks send it to my wife charlotte don't send it to me because nothing was in lou's name Mm -hmm. everything was in her name send it to me Uh, send it to charlotte when the car is paid off 
I'll let you know. Sounds reasonable. So dad goes home and he immediately sends the first payment over to Lou. After the first payment is received, he gets a note back, I guess from Charlotte, saying, Lou says, don't send any more money, Pete. The car is paid off. He, he said that uh, he always knew that his sister married a, a man of his word. Wow. You know? Yeah. He was just saying, if, if, dad, would, if dad would do it. And he do said, it. of course, Pete, Pete would do it. Yeah, yeah. And uh, so that, that was Uncle Lou. It's, it's just hard to reconcile the two halves, isn't it? Yeah. From, you know, a gunman. Well, a ruthless gangster. And this nice family man yeah. providing for his family, you know, generous to a fault. Yeah. And, and it's, it's hard to believe it's, it's the same person. I remember my father telling me that he was out uh, on one of the farms. And Lou had said to him, Pete, in that cabinet over there, there are shotguns, rifles, and if you see anybody walking around here and you don't know who they are, you shoot them. Because it might be somebody coming for me. So you shoot them. And don't worry, nobody's going to say anything. Nobody's going to ask you any questions. Okay. So obviously, Uncle Lou must have killed people. I don't know. Right. I honestly I mean, don't know the answer to that question. I mean, I, we can only I assume, I, I would assume that he was uh, involved in the St. Valentine's Day massacre. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was another guy that was in jail who was a, uh, he had double crossed the Capone mob. Oh, dear. And uh, his name was uh, Aiello. And he was, Aiello was in jail on, a, on another murder charge. Mm-hmm. And Lou and some of the, about 50 other guys who were in the, Prison? Cap, the Capone oh. gang went to the jail. And they were going to try to break in and kill Aiello. Wow. And the story goes that my uncle got arrested because he, he had a gun on him, and they arrested him, and they put him in a, sale, in a cell next to Aiello. <laughs> and he says to Aiello, you're dead, my good friend. You're dead. You're not going to make it to the end of the street still walking. And Aiello says to him, listen, can't we, can't we settle this? Can't we? I'll sell my businesses. I'll get out of Chicago. I'll disappear for good. I've got a wife. I've got kids. Can't we settle this? And my uncle reportedly said to him, listen, you've betrayed us twice. You started this thing and we're going to finish it. So there's the ruthless side of him. Yeah. Yeah. And the, the story that I read says that he said it in Italian or Sicilian or, or something, mm-hmm. something like that. And it was a, uh, an undercover cop who was hovering in that area who allegedly heard this conversation. And they didn't arrest him or charge him with anything more No, actually, point? he was released. Yeah. So that, that he wound up being released. And a few weeks later, Aiello gets shot down, shot down. Down, killed. Gee, I wonder how that happened. Yeah. 
So uh, it's it's certainly a an incredible story. It is, and you know, not many people have that kind of stories in their background. And to hear the to hear the two sides of it, to hear the two sides of of the man. Yeah. You know, and also Al Capone. A lot of people don't know that Al Capone actually set up a soup kitchen in Chicago during the Depression. And he was feeding 3,500 people a day, unemployed, wow. three meals a day. Huh. It was called Big Al's Soup Kitchen. <laughs> and also, uh, some of the members of the Chicago outfit also used their leverage with the politicians in Chicago mm-hmm. to get a law passed that said uh, carton milk had to be date stamped so that you could be assured that children were getting fresh milk. Seriously? Yeah. And, and that, that wasn't the case And these were monsters. No. Huh. How do you like that? No. Monsters. Like monsters. Right, right. <laughs> it's absolutely incredible. Well, we all know there is no mafia, right? <laughs> I'm not going to comment on that one way or the other. Now, uh, those of you who know me, you, you have nothing to worry about, Okay. <laughs> Uh, I'm not connected. Sometimes I wish to Christ I were, because uh, I think I would have had a hell of a lot more clout sometimes in, in some situations. But no, but I don't forget you would owe them. I yeah, <laughs> I don't I don't have any connections. Uh, Lou Campagna and of course all of those people are long long gone. Of course they have descendants, you might say. Yeah. But uh, but we don't. I see I them. don't. We I don't, don't see them. I don't. Them. I wouldn't know them if I if I tripped over them. So in Putting this out publicly, I'm, I'm not telling you anything that, mm-hmm. you know, I hope. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, isn't, isn't uh, that Pete, an amazing story? There's a guy story? at the door yeah. with a violin yeah. case. Yeah. <laughs> it's just a simply amazing story. And Lou uh, looked a lot like my Uncle Anthony, mm-hmm. whom I, I did see, you know, right, quite right. quite a few times. Well, you met. I met, you Uncle, met Uncle Anthony. Anthony yeah. And he, he kind of looked like Lou. Yeah. Anthony was, uh, he worked at the dog track. At Flagler in in, 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 Miami. Uh, in Miami, yeah. Because I remember when oh, I was a kid, I think the last time I went down there was in 1968, and uh, they had all gone to the uh, to the dog track, and somebody stayed behind to to watch little you know young Peter. But that was a treat that they would all go to the to the dog track, and and Anthony would set them up like really well. So I bet he did. <laughs> that's an amazing, amazing story. It's very cool. You never know what you're going to find in your family tree, I guess. Is no, the, the no. You know, moral I'll, of the story. Uh, you know, I'm a, I don't know that there's too, too many more doors to open. <laughs> you never, well, maybe we should start on my side. <laughs> <laughs> no, you really didn't have anybody infamous, though, in, in your family, right? Not infamous, but I, I, I remember my mother talking about somebody on my grandfather's side of the family that was allegedly a madam and ran a brothel. I think we have another podcast (laughs) coming up on this. Hey, listen, don't forget to write to us. If you have questions for me, you can send them to me 
at uh, Pete and Maureen podcast at yahoo.com. If you have comments or suggestions on future shows, you can send them to us. And remember, you can watch us now on YouTube. Hi, YouTube hey. on Facebook. And of course, hear the podcast on all of the popular podcast platforms. That is it for this week. Until next time, I'm Pete Torriello. And I'm Maureen Torriello. Goodbye, God bless you, and thank you. Thank you for listening. Thank you for listening, you dirty mugs. (laughs) 